Hello everybody, my name is Sebastian and this is The Front Room. The Front Room is a podcast and also an Instagram page and it basically serves as a collection of things that I think will bring you joy during this lockdown period. So we're going to start off straight away by saying that this is both a black podcast and a gay podcast and that's because I am both black and gay and that's probably for some of you the first time I've actually said that out loud to your ears, to your faces because some things don't need to be said, they just you, we just know them to be true. And also, because I came out about 15 years ago, I've come up to my parents, I've come up to the people that matter, I've, I'm well, well out at work. So I've got to a point where I don't really think I need to introduce myself and say, hi, my name is Seb and I sleep with me. Because that's basically what it feels like on a daily basis. That being said, though, being gay, being black is two different cultures. And sometimes those two cultures are don't really mesh very well. Yeah. Because if you know anything about gay culture, if you know about black culture, sometimes the intersectionality that is me feels like I'm being pulled into two different directions. Yeah. And nothing is more evident about the difference between gay culture and black culture than the experience of lockdown. Because, and especially on social media, those experiences are two different things, and that's what we're going to explore in this episode. So, gay lockdown. Um, It's very different than I thought it would be, actually. Um, I know because I work with the public that there's some things I do and I don't do on social media. And I've always had the policy that I kind of just use social media for about an hour of the day and then I move on through it. Now I'm in lockdown, I'm like bombarded with social media. And it's also one of these things where it's become a tool that I communicate with people that are not just in England, but in Madrid, in Atlanta in New York so I don't really have any way of getting away from it shall we say but like on a day-to-day basis it's very weird I mean one Instagram let's talk about Instagram for gay lockdown Instagram's long in it like I'm not being funny I think it takes ages you come in like you open your Instagram, you're bombarded with pictures of semi-naked men, all of which about six months old before they were in lockdown itself and eating their feelings and the gyms are still open and they still got those nice perfect abs and that nice tiny waist and look the latest thong on the bum. So you then go through the pictures that you've been sent and it takes a while for you to find in that Instagram page of all the hot guys, the one that you find the hottest and then find his hashtag or his app so that you can go to that page and then follow him on a regular basis so the next time you open your instagram page you don't have to be bombarded with all the other images that you're not actually into you just get the pictures of the one that you actually liked from that page yeah and then there's also the thing of during lockdown lady gaga and ariana grande released their latest single Now, I knew about this because I opened my Twitter and I saw all these pages of, oh my God, it's amazing. Oh my God, I love this single. I'm living, I'm living. I'm imagining myself on a beach somewhere. 
you know it's May, June's around the corner, everybody's looking, thinking about the pride that didn't happen this year or isn't going to happen to you, the circuit party that isn't going to happen this year, the mighty hoopla that isn't going to happen this year. Imagining yourself listening to Gaga and Ariana Grande. But can we be real? The song is trash. Yeah. The reason why I say the song is trash, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's not that bad. But we are in lockdown. Yeah. I am a gay guy that likes pop music. I like R&B. I like bashment. I like house. I like disco. I like deep house. I like euphoric house. I like grime. I like funky. So I've had to defend me liking Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande to my house gays, to my disco gays, to every other gay that doesn't like pop music on a regular basis for years now. And then in the middle of lockdown, where I can escape the memes and the tweets, this is what you give me? I'm not being funny enough, it's begging for a remix. Like, it's begging for something dirty to go underneath that baseline, because I was expecting, like, Lady Gaga and Christina Aguilera, do you what you want to my body, something really dirty and nasty. And then I got this really light, fluffy, circuit party trash boy. I'm not a twink. I cannot get down with this. And I do not approve of such the situation. No, 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 no. Yeah, both of you can do better and must do better. Somebody remix the song, please, so that I can live my life in peace and quiet and I don't have to have to defend myself every time I go out. Because we can now meet up with friends and I don't want when the sun comes up to be getting a side eye from every other black guy in the village. Thank you very much. So, other thing that happened on Gay Lockdown, um, I guess TV watching happened because I can't go anywhere. I've never watched so much TV in my life. So, we got the Netflix, we have Amazon Prime, we got um, Disney Plus happens. Yay, we got Disney Plus now. So, on Disney Plus, I watched the whole... <laughs> I watched the whole entire episodes of Gargoyles. I watched Star Wars, Star Wars, every single film. I watched every single Marvel movie, including Black Panther, about three times now. And then I also watched Civil War about three times because that's my favorite. And in Age of Ultron. Um, on the Netflix, what are we watching now? Netflix must me think that I am a fourteen-year-old gay girl. <laughs> Because it literally was cartoons and RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, yeah, we watched Sabrina. She-Ra is a lesbian. Who knew? Yeah, because She-Ra and Katra finally got it on. And then RuPaul's Drag Race. Now, I don't really watch trash TV in the sense that I don't watch anything on Hey You. And so I don't watch Keeping Up on the Kardashians. I don't watch any of the Housewife franchise, and I never will. I'm very sorry. Mainly because two things. One, on the Housewives of Atlanta, how many of those housewives are actually housewives? If you're not a housewife, 
shouldn't be on the show called Housewives. And two, because I am an Escape fan. I have every single album. I have loads of the singles. I have them on CD twice because my auntie scratched one of my CDs. So I went out and bought all of them again. Yeah, I have them on digital download. I have them on my Spotify. So if you are any woman coming and chatting rubbish about Candy, then I'm very sorry. I'm not going to like you. So from the very first like season up until when Phaedra was in it, I watched it. And then uh, after that, I just couldn't because literally it just made me angry. Portia, Phaedra, angry. Yeah. Obviously lockdown happened. So I did watch the reunion episodes and I must say, yeah, that that white chick's line sent me to the floor. It was so funny. Yeah. And Nini, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. It's very simple. Drag race happened during lockdown. I'm like, I'm not being funny, I think. Um, drag race has probably been one of the few things this year during lockdown that has greatly entertained me. And I am not a drag race fan. Um, I'm going to admit something here. My friends probably don't know this, but <laughs> I'm going to tell a little while to tell you now. Um, normally what happens, yeah, is I let my friends watch Drag Race and then when they're chatting about it, one of them will mention whether the lip sync was good, whether this was a good episode, whether Snatch Game was good. And then I watched that. And then but we come to the end of the season and if one of them is doing like a Drag Race party and then we're going to go out somewhere, then I'll probably watch the two episodes up until the final so I know who's in and who's out and what's what and where Guan. And then after that, we watch the final and we go out. Just that being said, last year, you don't know that every black queen did take a double take and maybe even stopped like my certain friends did. I'm not going to name no names. So, but certain friends, they paused that screen when Evie Oddly's dad appeared and just clapped. Just clapped. Yeah. Rewind the screen. Just a little bit, just a little bit, rewind just a little bit, and then we carried on, yeah? But yeah, we just, like, this year, it was it was a good year. It, I was greatly entertained. Like, my basic standard for a talent show is it's a talent show, so you must have some talent if you're appearing on there, because I'm not here to watch somebody die. I'm not one of these people that likes to laugh after people while they're getting env- embarrassed. I like someone to see someone flourish and grow and develop and like really get into their talent and become something. If you're going to go on a journey, go on a journey, yeah? Doesn't mean, yeah, especially, and especially this year, certain one man, certain drag queen, you don't cry too much on stage. Why are you crying for? Like every two seconds, cry, cry, cry. I know you want your moment, yeah? And RuPaul's paying you and you've got cameras there and you're like living your best life, but then you're crying at the same time. Why are you crying for? Stop crying. Your makeup is running. You look sad. Yeah, I didn't come here to see sad drag queens. The world is in lockdown. I want to see happy drag queens singing songs and kicking. Yeah, so the Madonna episode, when Gigi Good did the black flip with the bouffant hair and the tight up jeans and the high heels. Yes. When Jada Essence Hall was on stage and she was like, look over there. I was talking about the confusion and the politics episodes. Yes. When Jada Essence Hall again 
Yeah. When she did the family resemblance on that white chick, and that white chick was just living her best life. I don't know what the superfan's name is, but she was living, living her best life. Yeah. Just say, yes, babes, look at me. Look at me. Like she was Jerry Halliwell. Just look at me. Yeah. Again, living. So I guess by this conversation, you already know the person that I want to win. Um, yeah, it is one of those things like Issa Rae at the Oscars. We're normally just rating, rooting for every black chick to win. But this year, I actually really want Jada Essence Hall to win. Um, I would, wouldn't mind if GG God won. I wouldn't mind, but I don't want it to happen. I say I wouldn't mind, but like I would have to have a drink in my hand so I can dash it out of the TV. Um, yeah, the last time I, I was like rooting for a Caucasian girl to win was when um, Bianca Del Rio won. So I'm going to say this so everybody understands that um, normally I do not root for the big queens, whether they be black, whether they be white. I am not a fan of a really fat drag queen, or RuPaul anyway. The reason why is they all do the same thing, yeah? Tight up, tight up waist, extra padding on your hips, fishtail skirt, big hair, like, it can be a wispy big hair, it can be a candle flame big hair, it can be Texas, it can be Destiny's Child circa 1990 when a mum was still doing the haircut. But it's always the same, man. Like, cha. And then Widow came and she's the first big queen that they've had on Drag Race that was giving me like Missy Elliott shapes. She was blowing herself up in different direction. She was making herself look like juicy watermelon. She was stripping down to a bikini with a belly overhanging. Yes, like it was a little bit more dirty. It was a little bit more real. And then again, like I said earlier, what are you crying for? In your feelings, cause you got told you were rubbish. Well, you got told you were rubbish cause you were rubbish. Like. Let's put that to one side. Let's analyze why we were rubbish. And then let's move on from it. Oh, but next week you're still doing the same thing. And now you want to cry or get angry and roll your neck side to side. It's not a pretty look. Yeah. It's really not a pretty look. It's not what we want, man. I wanted Widow to win. And when she came on stage in the black afro with the black dress and the stars on the shoulders and the crisscross across the body, all was forgiven. And then she opened them up. And it was just like, what? Okay, we're going to go back to this again. You got told last week. I guess you'd be lip syncing. And I guess this time, Rue's going to just raise that, that one eyebrow that still moves. That one eyebrow that still moves. And send you home. Oh well, so she's laughing it. Black lockdown. So when I started recording this episode at the beginning of the week, because I do it in segments, I did the gay segment first, and then I was going to do the black segment afterwards, simply because I wanted to get all my facts in, and ducks in a row and to make sure that everything was succinct. 
But since starting recording this episode, everything has changed. It's all up in the air. It's a new world we're living in. Is it a new world we're living in or is it history repeating itself? Because if I remember rightly, the last time I remember a riot going on was in 2015. And that was after the death of a black person. And now we're in 2020 and the same thing is happening again. Sometimes it feels as if the progress is not actually happening for black people that we're stagnated that technology happens and it influences our lives that we move on into certain things just because of technology and culture and education but then we don't really seem to be reaping the benefits for it we're at a stage now where we've had um, Donald Trump as a uh, it, it's hard to call him the president of the United States, but that factually that is what he is. So he's been in office for nearly what four years now, maybe more. Election time is November, and what's going to happen? Is he going to stay in? Actually, and it's one of those things where I want him out. My soul wants this. He's like a boil on the face of the world. I want him. Re- lanced and removed but you know like that spot that you just try to get rid of too quickly and it just sits there and it won't be popped that is kind of donald trump it feels deep down in my soul that we're about to have another four years of this blood clot and i can't i really can't Black Lockdown for me was also being introduced to Candice Owens on Facebook. I don't know why Facebook has decided that it hates me, but you know what you do when you're angry? You start your own podcast. Because I'm really sorry, Facebook. I do not need to see this woman. I did not know who she was. I don't need to know who she is. Because like the saying goes, not all my skin folk is my kin folk. And I don't need to see this dry, dusty, ashy woman on any kind of feed that has my name on it, take her off. I have unfollowed this woman and her podcast and her, and her live Instagram feed and stuff. And I've done it many, many times. You know what the problem with me is that I understand that politics, especially American politics, is very two-sided, yeah? And each of those two sides only has thinks that their view is right. But I am was raised that I want to understand what the other side is saying so I can judge for myself whether there is any merit in what they're saying so that we can come to a point where we can reach an understanding and we can say to you each other, you know what? I don't agree with everything you say. On this issue, me and you are never going to agree. On this issue, I think we're quite similar. Maybe we can work from that ground because that will move us forward. Maybe it's just me. I've always been that kind of person. That's the kind of person that I was raised to be. However, Candice Owens, yeah, there is a special place for you and all those people like you. Yeah, it starts in my toilet. And wherever the flush ends up, that is where you are meant to be. Yeah. 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anybody out there that's listening. No, no, no. There is no reason for you to be putting anything that this woman spews out of her lips onto my timeline. And if you do, understand that you are going to get blocked so fast that your Instagram's going to have whiplash. I'm not here for this rubbish. I'm just not. On a positive note, Black Lockdown for me has been watching some of my friends take their side hustle and make it their main focus. We're all trapped indoors. Our jobs are going into the toilet. So a lot of them have just been picking up where they left off in terms of the beauty, makeup, Instagram pages that they were developing as a side thing. They're now focusing on it. And this is one of the reasons why I created this podcast because it gives me an opportunity to highlight people just doing stuff for themselves. So if you know anybody that has set up their own business during lockdown, doesn't have to be black, doesn't have to be gay, if you just want to share the, share the joy with the world, you can also DM me on the Instagram page, The Front Room Podcast, and I will highlight them. And if you go to the Instagram page at the moment, I've got examples already set up. I've got about four people that have started businesses during lockdown or have put extra content on their Facebook or Instagram or YouTube play channels during lockdown. And what I do is I will put a story page up. I will put a link in that page that you can copy and paste and make it easier for you to find the person and their business. Okay, black lockdown. Okay, people, so the three things that happened that really triggered me I say that word and I'm very aware of its connotations. The three things that really triggered me, just in general, and it's the way my brain works, these three things I link together more than anything else that's happened over the lockdown. I know we had the shooting earlier of the black guy that was running, Ahmad Aubrey. I know that we've had... Um, Donald Trump talking at his batty hole on Twitter a lot. I know that we've had like facts and figures about the difference between coronavirus and its effects on black people in the UK. That we're four times more likely to die from it than our white counterparts. But going forward, this podcast is about social media content and how we're using social media and the effects on social media for black people, gay people, and for the wider society. So the first thing that happened, we had Lana Del Rey announce to the world the how she is fragile and she wants the ability to talk about subjects as an artist without being overly criticised because she thinks it's unfair that she has been criticised for talking about relationships in which her fragility, her submission to the male counterpart means that sometimes she's not always painted in a golden halo of 
the Mary figure in her stories. And I'm just like... None of the right, you're an artist. If you're an artist, then you should be able to take criticisms. You should understand that art is subjective and therefore you are not always going to get the outcome or reaction that you feel that your art demands, deserves. So you can put that right in your seat and have a sit down. Like, I don't, I don't understand why, if you call yourself an artist, that you really care what people are thinking about you in this way. If the criticism is coming, it means they're talking about you and it means that you are able to move the conversation forward in some way. It's just not the way that you like it because it's not really about criticism. It's about the fact that the other women that you were talking about have had success. That is, you feel you should be having, but it is greater than yours. Because I'm not being funny. When you talk about fragility, you weren't frig- fragile when you were on Twitter just throwing daggers at Azealia Banks. You weren't fragile then, yeah? When you were ending Azealia Banks on Twitter, you weren't fragile then. And the last time I really heard a track of yours that I liked was a seven-minute remix by a black man that you did at the beginning of your career. So... Lana Del Rey, Lana Del Wrong, Lana Del Karen, I'm really just over you. So then the next thing that happened was Karen in the park. Karen in the park. I'm not going to call her by her name because she doesn't deserve it. Yeah, so by this time I think she's lost her job. And... And she's moving forward with her life without her dog. It's quite scary to me to see how many people, how many people were only really interested in the welfare of the dog and weren't really interested in her actions as a human being. Now, what she basically did was attempted murder in my eyes because this lady stood in front of a Batman, Christian Cooper, and told him in no uncertain terms that she has the power to remove him from the face of this earth because at any moment, just on a whim and a cry and a story, she can bring a force down upon him that... She can bring the force down upon him that means he can get killed. She stood there, she looked in dead in his eyes and she said, I'm going to ring the police and tell them that an African-American man is threatening me. And as she's doing this, it's her moving forward in violence towards him. It's him telling her to get away from him. Right? He's the one asking her to step back yeah, and keep away from him. Yeah. She's getting agitated. She's flinging herself around. She's like, how dare you? Yeah. And the reason why this woman is important is very simple. White people always like to say that racism looks like KKK people walking around in their white hoods and their bedsheets, burning crosses and lynching people. They always like to tell black people that racism is white men using the word nigger with a hard R. They always like to say 
that racism is monkey chanting at football stadiums and people throwing bananas at black players when they're just doing their jobs. But actually, do you know what? This woman is the modern face of your racist. Yeah, it's the woman at work. It's the woman on the bus. It's the woman at your yoga class. Yeah, she might be geeking with you for weeks at a time. But as soon as you tell her something that she doesn't like, as soon as she has no use for you as an individual, she will try to get you removed from life in general for or from the situation that suits her. Yeah. This is a woman that stood in front of a black man and said to him, I will call the police and tell them that a black man, African-American man, is threatening my life. And then not only did she do that, but when she made the call to the police, she made sure that that recording will live on and it will sound as if she is in mortal danger. The crying, the tears came forth. The rolling back. The <laughs> it was just a lie. It was a lie upon a lie upon a lie upon a lie. And it, and the lie stems from she just didn't like to be told that she was in the wrong. But it's also the fact that she has a clear understanding. She's seen the videos of black people getting killed before. You know, a couple of weeks ago, she, probably, she was probably on the Facebook group making protests about... Ahmad Aubrey and telling the world how upsetting it was that a black man can't just go jogging. So she knows. She knows. Yeah. She knows exactly what she's doing. She knows exactly what her power is in this situation. And she knows exactly what the consequences for Chris's life could be if she calls the police. And she uses it anyway. It's utterly disgusting. So the thing I'm going to say about the George Floyd case is two things. One, the man was murdered. Very simple. If you choke someone to death intentionally, you're murdering them. Doesn't matter what uniform you wear while you do the action at the time, you understand that you are murdering someone. He was in handcuffs, he was on the floor, and you pressed your knee into his neck and like... My job is personal training, so I understand when I say shift your body weight. And we all saw this man shift his body weight into the guy's neck and force down even harder. Not just, like, press lightly on top of it, but actually put his full weight and force on someone's neck. He crushed the guy's neck and killed him. Yet... We are so kind of immune now to what that actually really means. We've seen so many black people die on clips that we share on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Did it really affect you when you saw that? Like deep down, did it really affect you? Did it affect you because someone was dying or was it... The culmination of all these different bodies building up, building up and building up to the race build out. Because for me, it was like two minutes of 
myself screaming and trying to claw into the video itself and trying to tell someone why trying to get help and then realizing that i wasn't able to because the man was already dead that's why i'm seeing this picture and then we move on from this and even though we've seen what we've seen with our own eyes you have some police officer then take a conference and try to tell the world that what you've seen you haven't seen that this man was trying to be violent towards these police officers or had some kind of control over his actions when they had already taken away his ability to fight back and then we also have the image of the Asian officer the ethnic minority who they sent out to face the public because again we are we are aware of our branding the police are aware of how they look so when you have that ethnic minority officer standing up to the public it's as if you're trying to say yeah you know what it's okay we're not doing anything racist here it's not racist bias why we have the black man on the floor and we're pressing our knees into his neck but Again, racism, as we are told it is, we experience it as black people in the small things, in the details of our day-to-day. And it's so hard to talk about this without crying. And it's not like a cry that comes from just my eyes. It comes from my soul. It comes from a desperation. It comes from a point at which you're thinking, do you know what? I grew up in a time when NF used to run Burmese and I used to get my school books back and they put niggas go home on it and national front symbols in my bag. And for about five to seven years, it felt like... We were moving forward in a way that was united. And then when social media first hit, it felt like, oh, that undercurrent of hatred that you were not able to see, where people could hide behind their computers but really express how they really felt about a race of people for no reason whatsoever we were going to get to a point where there were so many allies that we were going to get past that and we would get through that and we were going to be able to band together as a visible unit and move forward and then we just watched as people that call themselves allies yes you white people I'm talking to you You good white people that do nothing, I'm talking to you. Yeah. We've watched as you just said nothing. As another black person has died and the video has been shared. And then you're talking about the Lady Gaga single that dropped. We've watched as the black trans women have been murdered over and over again. And all you're talking about is RuPaul's Drag Race. We've watched as people have been killed and shot, even in a time of lockdown. So even in a time where the world itself has been put in a situation where we are isolated and separated physically from each other. So that we know consciously that the level of crime must have fallen because people are not deaf on roads. 
yet still we're being killed. So the first podcast I'm going to recommend that you have a listen to is Say Your Mind by Kelechi Okafor. Now, this lady is not for everyone. And it's a hard listen for certain people, aka racists. But I would say go to the latest episode, take a listen. If you enjoy it, then go back because she's been doing it for the last two years. And it's one of those podcasts that the more you listen to it, the more knowledge you'll gain and more understanding of black culture in the UK. And how we're feeling at the moment. Because Kelechi tends to just be able to take the words that we never thought we needed. And just express them really well on her podcast. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The next podcast that I'm going to recommend that you have a look at is a podcast called Question Time. Not Question Time, Question Time. Now, this podcast is run by two guys, one called Joel, one called Yassine, or Yassine and Joel. They're a couple. One of them's new to the gay scene. One of them's had a little bit more experience. And they're basically, Joel is a student, Yassine is a teacher, and Yassine is basically teaching Joel about gay life in the UK. It's funny and entertaining and enlightening and it comes from a place where they're in a relationship so there's a level of joy that they have with each other that is expressed and it's really nice to hear. The next podcast that I'm going to recommend is by two guys, one called Daniel, one called Nick, and the podcast is called The 802. Now, it's a little bit more pop culture than Yasin and Joel's podcast, and it's on its first episode. It's about an hour long each episode, and I know the two guys that have done it, and they're, how can I put it nicely, if Joel and... Yassine's podcast is about education. Daniel's and Nick's is about reading. So if you don't understand what that means, then you should definitely, definitely pick up this podcast and you'll be greatly entertained. So finally, I'd just like to say thank you for listening to my podcast. Um, This is uh, the first one. It's a little bit of a tester to see how it feels to be doing stuff like this and if I want to continue. I think I'm going to be posting every two weeks. So if you want to come back, if you have something to say, you can always DM me on my Instagram page, The Front Room Podcast, and then I'll get back to you. Like... It's been a very strange week and even today it feels like the needle is slightly moving in a different direction than what I thought it would be at the beginning of the week. I hope you found some of the topics relevant and I hope you got a little bit of an insight into how some black people are feeling, how we are feeling through lockdown and just how we're feeling about the situation that's going on at the moment. I know people are calling out their businesses, calling out places that they work, calling out different brands to be leaders because it's not just about people, yeah? What One thing we've learned from this pandemic is that our health is linked to our economic value. 
And that's why they want us to get back to work so quickly. But we need to have value in our workplace as well. We need to have value in the places that we move in general. So if I'm going to go back to work for you, I want to know that you understand that I'm here as an individual and that my life matters too. Yeah? Thank you very much. Peace out.